0: Now entering Nerdist.com
1: It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel
2: Ben Blacker talking writing with writers
3: Writers talking
1: writing can get pretty exciting but talk can be enlightening it's
2: very rarely frightening Ben
1: Blacker talking writing with
4: Welcome to the Nerdist Writers panel series, an informal chat about writing and the business and process of writing. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on 826LA, visit 826LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes and via Nerdist.com. Uh, I've written for the series Super Ninjas and Supernatural. A playwright with several <laughs> produced plays to her name, our first panelist started writing for television on AMC's short lived but beloved Rubicon and is currently on The Killing. Her play Recall will be produced in New York this spring. Please welcome Eliza Clark.
2: Hello. Hello, everyone.
4: With a background in acting and writing, our next panelist wrote for Mad TV for f- five seasons. She has additional strong comedy credits, having worked on 30 Rock, Psych, and Bored to Death, among others. She's currently a supervising producer on How I Met Your Mother, Tammy Sager. Thank you for being here. Uh,
3: Thank you for having me. Hello. Hi, everybody.
4: Our final panelists uh, are those infuriating people who are brilliant at everything they do and they do everything uh acting composing directing dancing uh being all around charming people uh they've worked as a team on drop dead diva dollhouse and are currently on spartacus blood and sand they also co-wrote dr horrible's sing-along blog please welcome marissa tantcheron and jed whedon Did I leave anything Hi. off? Stand up. Oh, uh, anything else you guys do? Did you say brilliant? I said brilliant. I said brilliant. Genius. Uh, charming. I wouldn't say genius. <laughs> I didn't say genius. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, let's. Um, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's start easy. Let's talk about breaking into this business and uh, how you got into it. And um, you know, even even before you actually broke in, let's start with you, Eliza. Uh, even before you broke in. Have you always been a writer? How did you know you were supposed to be doing this? How did you even know this was something you could do as a living?
2: Uh, well, I broke in like a year ago. <laughs> uh, maybe two years ago. But that doesn't um, mean
4: you, you didn't do anything before. No, I mean, true. I think that's, that's, that's the thing a lot of people fall into is just because there's the first credit, there's usually ten years before that, too, yes. where there's a lot of work being done.
2: Yes, definitely. I, uh, I was a child actor. Um really? yeah and so I sort of grew up in the theater and commercials and stuff like that. So
4: Here in Los Angeles?
2: No, in New York. Okay. Um and so I was I was kind of enamored with this business for a long time. Um but I wasn't a good actor and I wanted <laughs> to be good at the thing I was doing. Um so I started writing in high school. Mm-hmm. Um and then I moved to New York after college and became a playwright. And that's sort of how I made my way to TV. And
4: what, uh, first of all, when you did start writing in high school, is it the kind of stuff that we were all writing in high school?
2: Yeah. I wrote a play (laughs) called, um, talk of pleasant things that I, that I directed also produced Mm. at my school. Um, that was about AIDS, (laughs) alcoholism, um, homosexuality (laughs) um drugs and homelessness. (laughs) So it was really good, you guys. It was really good. And that's how I got my big a light comedy. (laughs) Um Yeah, it was really bad. It was like my version. I had been reading a lot of Eugene O'Neill, so it was like that meets Angels in America. <laughs> um, and I directed it, which is why I never had a boyfriend in high school. <laughs>
4: um, what attracted you to playwriting then? I mean, you obviously you knew about television and film and all that, having sort of grown up in that, uh, but what was it about playwriting that, that brought you to it?
2: Well... Uh, my first love is the theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know it's dead, right? I do know that, which is why I'm here in L.A. working in television. Um, no, I uh, I love theater. It's like, I mean, for me, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I also love TV, but uh, I just like live theater. I like the sort of... I mean, it's also really fun as a writer to be a playwright because the actors have to say... Everything the way you wrote it, including like the commas and the ellipses and stuff. Um, so it's really gratifying in that well, way. Well,
4: someone make a note of that because I want to follow up on that in a yeah. bit, but go on.
2: Um, yeah, I forget what the question
4: was. <laughs> what, uh, were, so you, you've been into theater uh, from your youth?
2: Yes, since I was about six. Oh, okay, years
4: and old. what were some of the early stuff besides Angels in America and Eugene O'Neill that you responded
2: to? Do you remember? Uh, well, I was in Les Miserables. Oh, I'm sorry um, <laughs> and so that is like my main Wait, like touch on, on Broadway yeah I was yes.
1: sing sing it she was no. now,
2: <laughs> now we've heard Wait, were her you sing. Cosette? I was Cosette and I actually played <laughs> Gavroche too <laughs> I got to play she was baby The right? cool wow. thing yeah. yes yes as a nine year old and i okay. uh I played Gavroche, which was like the coolest thing. I was the, the, One of the girls is always an understudy for the boys' part, so I got to go on twice, which was awesome, and die on a Broadway awesome. stage, and that was awesome. Nice. Um, but so that that play, that yeah, musical. Get your ready. So you guys all thought I was like the staff writer, but really I'm the most genius of all of us. <laughs> um, I. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so lay is is just generally there's always like a little piece of lay Mis in like everything I write. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and homelessness, right? And <laughs>
2: And AIDS. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Those are right. my main themes. Well,
4: we'll get back to writing. I have a lot of lay miz questions, but we'll get back to writing. We'll get back to writing in a minute. Uh, but Tammy, let's move on to you if you can
1: deal with it.
3: My brain was just shattered by <laughs> that. Were you and cats? <laughs> were you
1: in
3: yeah, which uh, which Broadway, musical Broadway musical did you, did star, you star in? in? Oh, wow <laughs> Or which one do you think you could have nailed? <laughs> I don't know I really I cannot sing very well We'll see There's a competition at okay. the end of the night um, What is your background?
4: Where do you come from? What were your early writing influences? You're a performer as well So yeah, let's um, hear
3: about that stuff Uh my degree, my undergraduate degree, my only degree, is in um, <laughs> is in uh, mathematics. Uh, I was going to be, uh, yeah, I was going to be a mathematician. Um, like, I went to math camp when I was in high school. Like, I was... Uh, cool kid. You're cool. I was definitely a cool kid. Losing my virginity left and right. And, uh... <laughs> no, I, uh but but I, I did genuinely uh love math and but i also i grew up in chicago and we went to the second city since i was a little kid and i i loved that too and uh and in the very nerdiest way possible um i went to the university of chicago for undergrad and um yeah like w- when i was in 8th grade i did a paper on the second city and um when I was in college, I did a paper on Durkheim, and we had to observe a social group for its rituals, so I observed the improv group. Like, I couldn't have approached it at a nerdier uh, level. But anyway, so I, I got involved with the improv group on campus. And, uh, and, and then, uh, and then uh, before I graduated from college, I auditioned for something called Boom Chicago, which is a uh, sketch and improv group in Amsterdam. And, uh, and they hired me. And so I did that uh, for seven months, and then well, I you came back performing as well as writing your own material. Yeah, basically? that's how it works. Okay. That's how it is. Um, you create the material through improv, or you can also bring in written sketches. Um, but a lot of the process was through improvisation, mm-hmm. and uh, and then when I got back, I uh, uh, I graduated from college and then got hired for the touring company of Second City. So
4: Uh, where you're also it's kind of the same thing where you're generating material or you're using existing material as well. Right. Right.
3: When you tour, you do um, best of, but you also uh, are generating material. And uh, and then when you get promoted to one of the stages, um, you're creating the material together or you bring in ideas and improvise.
4: So tell me a little bit. I think that's very interesting about creating the material based on improvisation. Mm -hmm. Was this difficult for you? I mean, did you have writing in your background anyway, w- with this math background? Um, were you also writing, or was the the performance coming first?
3: Um, I've been writing since I was a little kid. Okay. And I, <laughs> I did poetry was my yeah. share of uh, <laughs> horrible teenage pretentiousness. But um, so... No, it, it, that that wasn't so hard for me. It, it And it really depended on who the director was of the different reviews. Like some directors at Second City, but there's this amazing guy, Mick Napier, where it didn't make sense to come in with a written sketch with him. And so he would have us come in with ideas. And in that cast especially, there were some amazing people. So you would just go in and say a premise. Okay. And then you would um, improvise it together. Or sometimes, um, you know, we would do an improv set after the show and, uh, if there was something that worked, we would go into rehearsal the next day and like try to workshop that together. Can you recall
4: any of these that you either had a particularly strong oh, hand in? Or totally. Had
3: yeah. Had? There was, um, Whatever. one of the reviews was the 40th anniversary for second city and we knew like Alan Arkin was going to be there. And it was just, it just, there was a lot of, um, past mm-hmm. that we were getting sort of, um, crushed by <laughs> creatively and so um, Mick who's also the founder of the annoyance theater in Chicago um, which is like famous for its musicals about Charles Manson and just whatever goes uh, was had this like taboo Tuesday where it's like bring in the scene that could never be on stage at second city to just let go of that which is also such a great writing exercise if you find yourself stuck to write the worst thing possible or it's an improv exercise to improvise the worst scene possible So the scene idea that I brought in uh, and I told the two ladies backstage and we went out and did it was uh, it was with Stephanie Weir and Susan Messing. And I said, Susan is an abused wife and we are coming in to say, like, we know that you're getting your husband's beating you up. We want to help you. And she's in so much denial and it's so frustrating that we end up beating her up. (laughs) 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 And we ended up figuring out a way to put that in the show. And, uh, again, yeah, another scene that came from that that I had no hand in, but Rich Tellerico. it was pretty soon after Christopher Reeve uh, was paralyzed. And he, uh, it started a Superman sketch of, like, a bank robbery. And he, he came rolling out in a wheelchair. But the thing that was, it ended up closing our first act. It ended up being contextualized and made so beautiful because ended up being a beautiful song that was written that he would burst into song. And it was this fantasy where he danced. And it just just was such a sign. If you know how to um, contextualize what you're doing, you can make uh, not everything work, but a lot of things work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's
4: very interesting. Uh, Good. We'll pick up there when we come back. Uh, Marissa, you also have a background as a performer.
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, I, too, grew up as a show kid. Um, Did the whole audition for commercials and all that kind of stuff, and then uh, when I was 12, I one of my auditions was for this girl band, and I had no idea what that meant. I just knew they they were like, we would like an Asian girl who could possibly break dance, and I was like, that's me, (laughs) and I showed up, and they had me sing as well. And back then, I wasn't as confident with my voice as I was with my you know head spins or whatever. (laughs) Um, I, I couldn't really do head spins. I'm over-exaggerating. But, um, yeah, it was it was for a five-girl, multiracial singing group with Motown Records centered around Shaka Khan's daughter. Yeah. And we <laughs> toured the country, um, performed on uh, Arsenio Hall and Soul Train. And I thought, you know, I was going to be the next... Fergie or whatever. And <laughs> things fell apart and I sort of, you know, got my head together and went back to school mm-hmm. and um, and then I went to Occidental College where I started playwriting and okay. doing a lot of theater And um, but because of my show-busy background, I, I was very confused when I graduated. I thought, oh, I'm going to be acting again and dancing and, you know, pop starring my butt off again. But I did not. I, 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 my, my parents were sort of like, just get a real job, please. And um, I started assisting on, uh, at Stephen Boschko Productions. That, that's where I started as a writer's assistant on NYPD Blue and um, Brooklyn South, which was a very short-lived show. And then from there, Law and Order. And, so uh, at
4: that point, though, and I'm sorry for interrupting, yeah. but at that point, you sort of knew that writing was the that you I knew that
0: Yes, I knew that writing was something I wanted. I'd always written mm-hmm. throughout my whole life, and, and then, you know, I was an only child for the first eight years of my life, and I have extensive journals from as soon as I could write. You know, it would just say, Mom is mean today, or something. <laughs> and I kept those. <laughs> I have a good stack of them. So I've always enjoyed writing. It's mm-hmm. always been a safe place for me.
4: Um, so when you turned to plays in college, what kind of material was it?
0: Same thing. <laughs> super, you know, just angst-ridden, a big, super emotional, and uh, lots of family conflict. And at one point, it's called Sticks and Stones, and it's about this... <laughs> this uh, relationship between a mother and daughter in which the mother is a single mom who is like super slutty and the daughter just like takes care of her and at the end of the play the daughter is able to tie the mother to her chair and duct tape her mouth shut and tell her everything she's ever (laughs) wanted to tell her about her that's not a window into my life (laughs) in any way
1: Your mom loved that show, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah, my poor mom I mean... You know, wherever that came from, it came from something. But my poor mom was in the first row, and I could just see her mortified. You know, this tiny little Asian woman, like, oh my god. <laughs> but uh, and oh, she else? shouldn't have
3: been such a slut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my mom was such a whore.
3: Lesson learned.
0: Hope she never listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, <Fantastic>. So.
1: <laughs> Did the, the playwriting,
4: you know, I, I imagine the earlier stuff had been kind of journals and very mm-hmm. personal, that kind of writing. Um, so, what, the, yeah,
0: the playwriting is, sorry, uh, are the samples that I showed to the people that I was working with, like David Milch and okay. Mark Tinker. And from there, it was a wonderful experience working at Stephen Bochco Productions because people like David Milch I had access to. And he actually did mentor me for a little while and allowed me to be in the writer's room and... And so that's when I started to really understand that, okay, this is where I would like to be. And, um, but with all my background in procedural dramas, my first actual staff job was on a comedy. It was on um, Oliver Bean, oh, really? which was a Levitan show. Yeah. I think it only lasted for two seasons, but that was because I wrote a Sex in the City spec during my assistant time because, yes, I watched that show. <laughs> and I was a big fan of that show until it started becoming super, like, cartoony, I guess. Episode six? Yes. <laughs> um,
4: well, I want to pick up there when we okay. come back. Let's let's get to Jed, and then um, we'll, yeah, we will geez. go back there.
0: Sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, Jed, we had Zach here a few months ago, and I think I asked the same question. Um, but I'm curious about your answer. Was it a foregone conclusion that you would become a television writer? Your grandfather is, your father is,
1: uh, siblings. Yeah. Was this
4: always the path? Or, or it wasn't for me. Try? It yeah.
1: wasn't for me. I uh, I was a musician for a long time. I did that for about 15 years, trying to do that. What kind of music? Then I fell into this writing thing. And, uh, I was in a band called the Southland, and we toured for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> That's my brother, probably. Um, and, uh, so I started dating Marissa during the end of the band era. Mm -hmm. I placed an ad for an Asian who could possibly break games. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so we started writing together. I was helping her with her projects, just like brainstorming stuff. And we did a, you wrote a short film together.
0: Well, I think the first thing, (laughs) well, uh, the very, very first thing we did together was write stage banter. Britney Spears' Britney stage Spears.
1: banter. Yes. Her. Wait a minute, yeah.
0: what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Her uh, younger brother... Kevin. ...by eight years... Yes. ...was 19 and he was directing her... Uh, uh,
0: the Onyx Hotel World Tour. World Tour. tour. Britney and Spears' it, World
1: Tour. I
0: remember that one. <laughs> yeah. I think it was when people started not to listen to her music.
1: So that she can't... She can't... Uh, Come up with that stuff yourself? Like, <laughs> you know, like, hey, LA, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, we, uh, so we wrote some stuff for her. That was our Wait, first collaboration. So, so he collaboration. approached you guys saying, No,
0: he said, just, I, I need he, this yeah. material. Yeah,
1: just yeah. to help her out, you know, because she's, I will say, she had a lot to do. So sure. if you're worrying about all that stuff, you want to just know what city you're in, know a nice little story you could tell. And, you know, we wrote a really touching piece. <laughs> right before she plays like a sad song you know that was when we knew we were destined we were to, work together. to yeah. work together um what so was the story do you remember well she it had it was not? a song about you know growing up or something and she'd had that whole marriage
0: it was yeah right on the heels where she married that guy for two seconds in vegas or something like yeah. that. yeah yeah
1: so it was about like hey we all make mistakes and there was some <laughs> little joke in there for her to Get sure. the Staples Center laughing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, and then we wrote just stuff for ourselves and a sh- we wrote a short film together. But then it was actually Dr. Horrible, was sort of the reason we teamed well, up.
0: Yeah, I think um, I was, I had this uh, pilot I was doing at Fox, and my process is a very painful one. <laughs> and I, I, because I just hate myself and I, you know. <laughs> every, every, yeah, I, like, uh, I used to try to chain smoke, which was a, a very bad thing. And, uh, <laughs> kids. Kids. kids, um, but yeah, I was, I was on deadline for this pilot and we were dating at the time. Well, we started dating and, um, I just needed help and he helped me out. And he, because he's awesome and comes up with everything just on the fly, as opposed to me who will sit with like a scene for weeks. Mm -hmm. going over every couplet like a crazy person um we balanced each other really well and i said well why don't we try writing i don't know feature together
1: we wrote a feature yeah
0: Yeah, we wrote a feature but it's right when the strike
1: happened Mm
0: -hmm. yeah we went out with
1: the feature and then they said and now it's a strike and so i was (laughs) thrilling um (laughs) And then,
0: uh, and then, doc, then Dr. Yeah. Horrible was right after that
1: and we'll, we'll talk about that a little more in depth in a minute but, um, what, Oh well, and on another the the, um, One yeah. interesting point is that The way that, we, that I broke in Is because I was hired on my brother's show But <laughs> The thing that people don't realize is that We were a team and they needed a minority So we were yeah. actually we're a right. minority hire
0: yeah. 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 Score, <laughs> Score. <laughs> Well done
1: <laughs> Um, well,
4: t- tell me about while we're on the subject. Tell me about that process. You know, get get a little more specific about how you were working on your own, and then when you guys started working together, Jed, mm. what you brought to that relationship.
1: Well, I I mean the, the thing that I had never thought about writing because I you know everybody had done it in my family, and my brother Joss had he'd done some stuff that was that people liked. Um, <laughs> It seemed daunting. It seemed like a big shadow, and uh, and I was interested in music, uh, but I always wanted to do everything. I, you know, I, I, I everything appeals to me. So when we started working together, it was fun to instead of just having ideas, I would always have ideas. You know, a cool movie would be this, or you know, as everybody does. But when we started working together, those ideas started to find their way onto paper, and then you know, when you write your first script and you have it in your hand, there's a great feeling there, mm-hmm. you know? And growing up around it, you know, I'd seen scripts my whole life, and so it had even more impact just just having it in my hand, like, mm-hmm. oh, I wrote this, I have a script, it's done, hey, hey. throw it down, and it had some weight to it. And How is it different,
4: though, and we haven't had a lot of musician writers on here, but how is it different from
1: creating a song? Um, well, for when I write music, I I usually write lyrics after I've written the music. So it's different. I mean, it's very different. You're writing voices as opposed to, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're writing a script, you're trying to talk like people talk and not only that, but people who aren't you, Mm -hmm. but it is related in that you're imagining a character. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a, you know, 68 year old gay lady, you know, but, uh, When you're writing, yeah. I hope to someday, yeah. I'll
0: keep that on the inside.
1: But when you're uh, writing a song, you know, it's a character study. I don't only write songs from, you know, about myself because there's nothing more boring. So it's a, you know, you imagine what it would be like to go through a certain pain or through a certain experience and you're writing from that voice. So in that way, it's very similar. And also, you know, you want there to be pace, you want there to be a certain rhythm to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So. That's how it's related for me.
0: I think one thing to note, the, the quality about him, and I'm not just saying this because I am his wife, but uh, he is good at everything. I mean, the, 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 I, seriously, it's like he, he can pick something up and then know how to do it really well in two days. And that's both really exciting and makes me proud of him and also makes me hate him on <laughs> some, so, some level. But um, the growing up in a family of writers, I think he was exposed to it, and so he has helped my process so much, like in a way that I, I, I think I would be now crippled without him. Because, um, yeah. Anyways. Well,
4: can can you give us specifics? You know, or at least compare how you were writing on your own to
0: I just, writing I, I, in a partnership. I am, I'm coming to a place now uh, where I finally feel comfortable approaching something, but it used to be a very daunting task. I used to feel really. Heavy when it came to writing, but once I was in it and things started flowing, it felt fine. And then once the product was done, my God, it felt amazing. But um, just getting over that hump was always a big challenge for me and still is in, in, in some ways. Um, and, and I think our the way we work together is very yin-yang, male-female, I guess he's sort of like boom, bah, bah. It sounds like he's barfing on the page. That's That's what he does.
1: And that's the quality of it. And then I come in
0: and I clean it up and make it, no. Um, (laughs) I
1: I tend to think, you know, out loud. So if I'm having ideas, it's one reason I like the room is that I just say my ideas instead of wondering if they're good yet, which is, when they're not, it sucks that it came out of my face already. Um, But so it's it's good to have someone who's kind of, you know, gathering that stuff and 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 also exercising taste, you know, if you I think a lot of writing is you want to come up with a ton of ideas and pick the right ones. Or that's, I find, the best way to do it. Um, so she does that a lot of it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean, and we know a lot of partnerships
4: that work exactly that way. I mean, we, we work very similar mm-hmm. to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tammy, let's move on to you, or back to you. Okay. Um, coming from this improv and performance background, uh, was Mad TV the first kind of big breakthrough thing for you? It was. And was it a similar kind of thing? Were you used to writing in the group like that? Yeah. uh, How did that show work for the writers?
3: In fact, that was actually the least um, ensemble-written show of of all of uh, the ones I've worked on. Uh, I think in general, sketch shows aren't too ensemble-written. There was no real room where we talk about, you know, where everybody sits down and and throws stuff in. We would, um, although people would write sometimes in twos or threes or individually – you would go in and you would pitch some sketch ideas, uh, I want to say, like on a Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. and then Everyone
4: would or individuals would to the showrunners?
3: Individuals would okay. to, the, to the head writer and the showrunner. Um, or if you had an idea with somebody else, the two of you would go in. But, yeah, you wouldn't – yeah, it would be like, okay, now Scott will see you, and you'd go in. And then they'd tell you which ones to go ahead with, and then you would write during the week. And how much –
4: at least pitch material Did you have to come Into that room with
3: Um Probably about Three to five okay. Sketches a week
4: Was it tough to generate Or was it Sometimes
3: for yeah. sure Sometimes Yeah yeah <laughs> Especially I mean especially Towards the end of the season Where everybody's Running on fumes Um And that's why It, I, it, it is so much more fun To have Other people Uh To shoot yeah, Things off go- of I was going to ask
4: then You know What was the next What was the first sitcom You went on to then
3: Uh It was actually Lucky Louie, uh, which was on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, uh, I had anything to do with the first season that you guys actually saw. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that was my big heartbreaking, uh, story was I got offered a job there and mad wouldn't let me out of the last year of my contract because apparently four years was not enough. And, uh, uh, so I, I couldn't go there, but, uh, Uh, HBO then ordered, I don't remember if it was eight or nine more scripts to be written for a second season. And so they brought me on to do that, which was awesome. And so I got to be there for that and and write a script. But then sadly, um, they made the decision not to produce any of them, uh, or, or a second season. And were those written
4: in a sort of standard sitcom way with a writer's room or were they farmed out?
3: Um, there was a writers' room, and we did uh, talk stuff through, but it not—it never got to the stage where you know where we would table a script, which is when a writer brings in a script and the whole room goes over it together. Because and that process literally ended um, with us turning in the script, getting notes from uh, Louis and Mike Royce, who was the showrunner, and and then turning in the rewrite to them, and then that going to HBO. But yeah, interesting. So you, these were two not
4: very usual situations for you. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like my,
3: every experience I had was very different than the one before that. Because really? then I went to psych, which is a one hour. And um, the showrunner for that is, uh came from a film background. And so he wasn't used to a room at all. And... Uh, and they were still sort of learning how to manage that, and so that was also it was in Manhattan Beach, and I lived in Silver Lake. Oh. And anybody from LA just knows that means suicide. It was the worst, and uh, and so I just did a lot of work from home, uh, just because I wanted to kill myself on the three-hour commute. And uh, yeah, so that was you would sort of. Um, Come up with there. There wasn't a ton of room in that one, and then from there I went to 30 Rock, which was so much room. Mm -hmm. You know, like there were even the occasional scripts that were just written entirely in the room. So I feel like every place I've gone has been a totally different experience that way.
4: I'm curious about that leap, though, from Mad TV and Louie, which you can kind of see. You know, these are comedy, and they're sort of not traditional comedies to Psych, which obviously not traditional comedy, but it is a very standard kind of one hour. Uh, USA show um, tell me about the getting that job uh, was it something you sought out it was just you know one of the many jobs you went up for that year
3: it, uh, it, that was an odd timing because we didn't get the news about uh, Louie until uh, the end of the summer so staffing was done um, by that point mm-hmm. sort of the traditional staffing time um, and I had an office spec, which is what was read. Um, I had met Steve, who was the showrunner for Psych, years earlier at a punch-up for one of his pilot scripts that um, he and I share a manager. Uh, And so for um, aspiring writers, eventually you get invited to do these things that are punch-ups. That It's like a favor that you're doing, but it's also the writer equivalent of an audition. So you're going in for free to offer up your services, but you're also... It's like an audition.
4: And um, What kind of advice can you give people about those punch-up sessions? Because they can be tough, but they can also be a lot of fun.
3: Totally. Uh, I would actually give the same advice that I got in an audition class, which was be somebody that people want to work with. So <laughs> I, that, that, that was the best advice I ever got. Um, and it was an audition class, but it's absolutely true for going in. When you go in on meetings, um, just have a smile on your face even if it's the last thing you feel, because they're looking at you as somebody that they're going to spend potentially up to 80 to 100 hours a week with, depending on the show, and be fucking pleasant. Even though you're so scared and nervous, that's totally okay. But that's – and I was even – the other thing I was told is um, if you're walking around and you're having an awesome day and you feel really confident, give yourself like a little – Physical thing A little tiny thing You can do with your hand Or whatever So that you Then connect that feeling To that hand gesture And so that Then you can give yourself that When you're feeling Super nervous uh, it, Yeah I'm totally gonna do that <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that In years I'm any... gonna walk around like Yeah 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 <laughs> okay. Hi I am a Um Anyway, so, uh, yeah, uh, what did I begin? Oh, so so advice for that. So I just came in, I read the script, I had some joke ideas. One of the joke ideas, honestly, I think it was about a battered women's shelter, which was...
4: It's really a one-trick pony. Yeah, really.
3: <laughs> Which was a definite... Sometimes the jokes you have, you know won't be helpful, but you're also like this is my voice and it might crack up the room and that is its own sort of energy. And I, 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 Steve honestly remembered that from two years earlier. And so he read my, um, my office script and I think they were looking because psych, even though it is this, every week is a little bit of a procedural. There's also a very definite comedic tone to it. And so he was looking for that. Um, but so many of the jobs I got were from little things like that. Like Lucky Louie, a big reason I got that was because I did a little thing for This American Life three years earlier that Mike Royce happened to hear, and it happened to, he happened to like it a lot, and so he remembered that. So you never know, like, just keep shooting stuff out there. Just Mm -hmm. keep, And it doesn't have to be in exactly the field that you want. Like, if you want to write for a sitcom that doesn't mean like mm. I, yeah, I just wrote a 10 minute play that I don't know will be worth anything except it's a good exercise to write in different forms.
4: Yeah, certainly.
3: Um, good. We'll, we'll pick up there in a bit.
4: Eliza. Hi. Hello. hello. Welcome back. Thank you, um, <laughs> how did you wind up on Rubicon?
2: On Rubicon? Yeah. Uh, I,
4: and what were you doing there? In what capacity were you on the show?
2: I was a writer's assistant uh-huh. on Rubicon. Um, I, they read my play. Mm-hmm. I was living in New York at the time, and then I, uh, I flew out to LA to meet with them, and then got that job, and ended up getting to write two scripts. Wow. Um, so that was awesome because yeah. she's
0: so dang good.
3: <laughs> really unusual. Out oh, of what
0: twelve? That's like
3: quite a uh, lot. Thirteen out yeah. yeah. of oh. thirteen scripts. Um,
4: um, and was, what you had been in New York uh, producing and writing and producing plays, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Or play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, play. Play. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, writing plays, but I did one production. Oh, okay. And
4: is that what they read?
2: Um, they did read that play. Actually, I work on The Killing now, and, um, Veena Sud, who created that show and runs that show, uh, saw my very first production oh, wow. of my play, like, in 2008. Wow. Um, and just, like, randomly saw it, and then we... Realized that when i met with her <laughs> um so it's really
4: funny so she that, didn't seek right? you out because of
1: that i
2: don't think but so. she knew I, mean, I it later knew, i think she was sent my play when she was looking at writers mm-hmm. and then was like i think i've seen this oh. uh and then we when we met she was like i think i saw your play and i was like oh cool it's <laughs> yeah.
4: a good way to make a good impression yes um was this a concerted effort on your uh part to break into television you know having having worked in plays and having worked you know on the stage, did you say now I have to go do this thing?
2: No, I mean when I got an agent who i I got an agent from theater mm-hmm. um but i but my theater agent was this um sort of an amazing theater agent who sort of likes to take writers who seem like they have maybe a cinematic or television sensibility. So when I met with her, for the, her name was Valde, um, and when I met with her for the first time, she brought in a um, TV agent to that meeting and she was like, this will be your TV agent. And I was like, I don't write like TV. And she was like, you will, kid. Um, and this was in the 50s? It was. It was Four. in the 50s, yeah. I began in the fifties, and then I was cryogenically frozen. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that guy became my TV agent, who is still my TV, TV agent. And um, uh, we, yeah, he he was sort of sending my play out, and I I think I had planned on writing a TV pilot or something, mm-hmm. um, but I just didn't didn't. I the first TV script. I Actually, I wrote an office spec that I don't think anybody well, has ever this seen.
4: This is what I was going to ask you. I mean, if you were writing plays and then you were sort of nudged into the television world, did, was it a language that you had to learn? Uh, totally. Or was it close I mean, enough?
2: totally. When I met with um, the guys who ran Rubicon, they were like, we like your play. Do you have any TV scripts? And I was like, I could write something tonight. <laughs> and, and they were like, what? And I was, I was like, no, I don't I, have a, I was like I have an office spec They were like Our show's a conspiracy thriller On AMC I was like Oh, okay well. How so, did you
4: wind up With an office spec?
2: I really like comedy
4: Okay Yeah
2: um, I write about murder and stuff But I, I like comedy a lot um, I, uh, <laughs> Are your plays comic? No uh, sort of. I mean, they're yeah. sort of no, common. There's
0: funny stuff in your right. plays. they yeah.
2: The, uh, well, they're fun. They're funny about like the apocalypse or sure. whatever. They're yeah. they're they've been they've been called science fiction plays um, mm-hmm. by people who don't know what science fiction is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, but so, so yeah. The first like real script I wrote was um, for Rubicon. Was the script oh. that was made. Into Um, and then when i wrote my second script on that show i became a much better writer i mean it was like night and day and i wrote episode seven and episode nine for rubicon so they were like back to back and it was like a crash course in tv yeah
4: tell me about writing that first script first of all how did you wind up with it
2: Uh, I, well, when I became a writer's assistant, they were like, we'd like to give you a script on the show if you'll come and be, so I knew I was going to get to write one script. Um, and then I don't know. It was a really small staff Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I don't know. So I got another script. It was (laughs) awesome. I, uh, Henry Burmel, who ran that show, uh, was, just I don't know. Took a chance. So. <laughs> um, but did
4: you? Were you in those? You know, for those first eight scripts, did you really have to dig in and study in what makes what makes this TV script a TV script? Even though you'd written the the uh, office spec, uh, or were you just immersed in the world? So you. You would you would be able to turn this thing out fairly well,
2: easily. Well, I was um, secretly dating my coworker, <laughs> um, scandalous, who I am marrying now, oh. um, and he does was your boss. Now he does know. He knew, but he didn't know at the time. When we when we told him, he was like, "Okay," <laughs> he was like, "You guys are sneaky," but okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, so I did a lot of saying like helped me (laughs) to Zach at the time sure Um, yeah I mean I don't know it was really hard Mm -hmm. one of the things that was nice Mm -hmm. is that um, Henry gave me the script my first script was a bottle episode Mm -hmm. and it was like a polygraph episode where everyone is like stuck in the building and has to have a polygraph mm-hmm. done, so it was sort of like a play. Sure. Um, so it was, mm. you know, I got to write a play for that, and that was um, exciting. And I tried to like pace it up. I was like, I was like, well, I can't write like long scenes, so because it's TV, they have to be short scenes. So I wrote like seventy scenes for this forty-five minute <laughs> thing. And then when I when I got to we because we were we they sent us to New York to produce the episodes, which was awesome. I mean again, like that Rubicon was such an incredible experience for like learning everything really quickly, not everything. I know everything now um, <laughs> but learning a lot really quickly and um so I got there, and the a d was like, uh you have to cut forty scenes <laughs> or <laughs> or whatever like thirty scenes, and I was like, "What and then I had to do it like that night um so it was good. It was good. How, <laughs> I learned a
4: lot. <laughs> how was that show broken?
2: Well, that was that's an interesting thing. I mean, um, the Killing and Rubicon are so different mm-hmm. in that way. I mean, Rubicon uh, really didn't. I mean, we had we had a room sort of like Henry really likes to work with sort of one other person at a time. So often he would be kind of he'd be working on something, and the kind of under writers, the lower level people would be working on like a project for, you know, come up with this character's story for the next three episodes, like do that. So the four other writers had like a little, we had a like mini room that mm-hmm. was run like a convert. I mean, we didn't run it like a room cause right. it was just like a bunch of staff writers and story editors. So we were like, you know, we just sat around and talked about that and then would kind of present things mm-hmm. to him. And then when we would, we would sort of break our own episodes and then, pitch them to Henry and then we work with Henry on them and that's how that worked. I mean, whereas like The Killing is, you know, every you know, it's a writer's room from 10 in the morning to 6.30 and it's like everything is broken as a team. Mm-hmm. They're both really kind of cool experiences. Yeah, uh,
4: and, and there are so many shows that work in these yeah. different ways. I mean, these are fairly representative actually of, of other shows. Speaking of other shows... <laughs> No, Tammy, you're back. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, take us inside 30 Rock. Okay. What? That show is a joke machine. Yeah. What was it like in that room? How many writers did they have when you were there?
3: I want to say there were about 10 of us. Okay. Um, and, yeah. And how it, did
4: the room work? I'm going to stand up.
3: Also. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Robert Carlock is the uh, genius uh, showrunner of it, although uh, Tina would also be up there if she wasn't on the stage or... Sometimes if it was late enough, we would literally go to her apartment. Um, and you just – it was very late hours and working on the weekends, and there was a lot of, you know, just staring at a joke and, and pitching on a joke. And, yeah, there was <laughs> – you just, you just got a lot better. How
4: are the episodes – Plotted. Were they plotted in the room as well? Yes, absolutely.
3: They were. They were uh, and they were very detailed, beaded out mm-hmm. together in the room. And you would, once you got assigned an episode, you would, I mean, just have pages and pages of notes. That's great. That uh, literally you would highlight and just, I mean, God bless our writer's assistants. There was a lot of nonsense that was also <laughs> being typed. That was just us uh, <laughs> being idiots. Uh, but yeah, you would, yeah, everything was pretty. Meticulously beat out, which doesn't mean that it would then make the journey to Mm. script. I mean, sometimes you would. I think this is true for any show, but I mean, I one of my episodes, it made it through outline, it made it through the first draft, and then you're reading it and you're like, "The, the 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 actual story of this isn't holding together, and then you would, you know, redo it in the room of like, okay, this story doesn't work at all. We can't have Jack and Liz not be together for the whole. Episode like so how do we redo that Mm -hmm.
4: So that became the Individual writers job is to Work out those kinks
3: no I mean The the, not really no I mean the individual writers job would be To do the outline um, And then from the outline Write that draft but Mm -hmm. There wasn't usually enough time to Then get in a real second draft Usually you were just the Production pace of it I mean I was there a second And third season so it, it also Might be going smoother um, but just the nature of a single camera show and, um, and you know, the, it just wasn't time. So a lot of times the second draft would be in the room. Mm-hmm.
4: Interesting. Uh, we talked to, um, Danny Zucker talked about it, uh, who's on Modern Family, where he said on these single camera sitcoms, there's not a lot of rewriting on the fly. Was that the case on 30 Rock or was there a lot of punching up during shooting?
3: Yeah, no, not, not a ton. I mean, obviously with Tina there, you know, I mean, she, her brain, as crazy funny and smart as you think she is, she's funnier and smarter. And so there would occasionally be something, but not that much, yeah. I mean, you would be there on the set to make sure things would happen. And it's funny how just even. Uh, there was an episode I did, and it was the last shot of the day. And this was my first episode, and everybody, it was very late, and so everybody, all the over people were going home, and there weren't even actors in the show, or n- nobody from the our mm-hmm. show is in the shot. It was when Tracy had the uh, ankle bracelet for alcohol, and it was just the final shot of the monitoring place, and they were having a Christmas party, and so you're just supposed to see all those people like, Tracy's name would show up on the um, computer screen, but everybody's making out with each other, so they're not noticing. And, you know, that was it. Everybody's gone home, and I was there, and they were showing the Tracy thing showing up. It was, it was just shot in a way that ruined the joke, where it was one of those things where I was like, ah, stop, 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 stop. Uh, like, so sometimes, a lot of times, you're just there to make sure that they film the joke right. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was one of those like after it happened, I wanted to tell everybody like I saved the joke, I saved the joke. <laughs> but uh,
4: yeah, what were uh, some of the challenges particular to that show?
3: Uh, honestly, sleep deprivation. Oh, uh, I mean, that was when I when you talk about like wanting to be around people eighty to hundred hours a week, that that was the show. And and from what I've heard, because um, you know I still have friends who work on it, the, the hours have gotten a little bit better. But it was, you know, you'd go to, like, 5 or 6 in the morning, and it's um, <laughs> being produced in a former uh, bakery in New York, Silver Cup. And so there's generations of mice uh, <laughs> that would be there. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, so a lot of it's just, like, what do you do at 3 in the morning, you know, when, when you're looking at a joke, uh, and you, 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 you fucking rally, you know? You just rally. <laughs> yeah. Um, how does that compare to How I Met
4: Your Mother, where you are presently?
3: Uh, we do not have those hours at all, and we, we don't work weekends. I mean, it's also a hybr- what's called a hybrid show, which is sort of – it's a multi-camera show, but we don't shoot in front of an audience. So we shoot Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We're also in our seventh season. I came onto the show during its sixth season, and it has been running it's – just, it's just so smoothly run at this point. Like, they, everybody knows – so well what they're doing it's just it's just been going for a while, so um the shooting ends really soon i mean they're and i mean we'll as writers we'll occasionally have late nights, but they're it's not the norm mm-hmm. um and it's a big uh it's a big group of writers there's a lot of writing teams, so there's always two rooms going oh. um and it's uh yeah
4: and how do it is the process similar? I mean, as far as breaking the story in the room and then taking the script and trying to put it together, or is it? Yeah,
3: a- yeah. Um, we still pretty much break everything. Um, there's a little bit more time, so you will have the second draft as the writer mm-hmm. um, to bring in, um, and because it's a it's a multi cam. There's a run through which we we wouldn't have on the single cam. Mm-hmm. So there's a day where you have the table read. And then the next day, there's the run-through, so you have the rewrite between the table read and the run-through, and then the rewrite after the run-through, and then you're filming it. So it's also very compact. Mm -hmm. It's one week per episode. Interesting.
4: Uh, Good. We'll we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, Mursa and Jed, let's talk about Dollhouse for a moment. Okay. (laughs) Um, We had uh, Craft and Fane here who talked a little bit about it uh, and who were great. Um, but I'm curious about your experience on the show. And it, w- it seemed like a difficult animal to tame uh, as far as it being a conceptual show, but also a show very much about this character. Uh, right. How did you guys find the experience and, and what did you take
1: out of it that you've kind of brought to your subsequent jobs? Well, we, uh, I think it was a, we had a wonderful time on Dollhouse. Yeah. Even it was a very difficult for many reasons.
0: I think the show that was pitched was different than the show it had
1: to become. How so? Um, Joss, I think, wanted it to be sort of quantum leapish in its in the way that you would each week would feel different than the last week, and you would these people would be programmed to be someone else and in a fun way or in a dark way. And,
0: yeah, um, and then the network sort of wanted alias. Yeah. A procedural, something to really grasp onto. And yeah.
4: So was there, so there a lot of, I won't say friction, but push and pull yes. with the network on that?
0: Oh, yeah, so much push and pull that we <laughs> shut down yeah. and then eventually canceled. <laughs>
4: and yeah. But how did, that affect, how did that affect the room on a day-to-day basis? Well,
1: we are, our first script... The very first oh, script God. we wrote, we uh, we split with Tim Mynir, who is a fantastic writer, who we believe is a brilliant, brilliant genius. Is that done it? Um, and no one so we no had, geniuses. and we were, we turned it in, and uh, he came and got us and said, Joss wants to see us on set, and Joss was, I don't think he was, he might have I been directing, directing, but he basically didn't even look at us. He just wrote something on a piece of paper and handed it to us, and it said, page one rewrite.
0: From the network, yeah, yeah.
1: and so, and you know, then soon mm. after
0: that was the. <laughs> Did
4: they get any more specific than that? They, they, they said, they "Do it cop- again." Yeah,
0: there were <laughs> copious notes and problems that they had with it, and but basically it boiled down to start the fuck over,
1: and and so. And it was partially a tonal thing. The this was the first script that was doing that thing that I'm, the quantum leapish mm-hmm. thing. It was a, it was funny and it was a sort of a love story and uh there were only four guns in it you know so they 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 it was sort of the sh- script that broke dollhouse in a way because
2: it
0: is known as the script that broke yeah. dollhouse
1: <laughs> because they said this is not the show we want we want a different show so then we went to this whole process of coming up with stories like The one we ended up writing where she's a bodyguard. But the
0: the funny thing is, yeah, the shutdown came soon after the page one rewrite news. Mm -hmm. And so then the room gathered and we came up with this list of um, all these cool ideas. And they were very complex emotional ideas, but also catering to what the network wanted. And at the very end, just to tag on, just to add volume to this list, we Mm -hmm. were like, She is programmed to be a a bodyguard to protect a pop star. Uh, uh, She goes undercover as this As a blind girl. And then we get a call from the network. Pop star. Uh, We want pop star. And Joss turned to me and Jed. He was like, that's you guys. (laughs) And we said, oh, shit. That's also, he turned
1: to us after you turned to me and said, if we have to write that, I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) But we had a blast making that and... And then I think, I think Dollhouse is sort of a show where you can see it trying to find itself. I mean, each episode, I think that there are some eh episodes, but when were, we were really swinging for the fences, so there's some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can see it sort of find itself. It also struggled from a, having a main character who didn't know who she was, which if you said that to a writer, they would yeah. tell you to s- turn around right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were trying to figure out who she was at the same time as she was trying to figure out who she was. Um, and so that's why in season two she sort of became...
0: Echo, but ec- understanding that she's programmed. And yeah. So finally, yeah, there was something a sense for of self. a sense of right. self. Except. It's
1: hard to have an emotion- something land emotionally if that person's not feeling it. So, you know, you go, oh, it's so sad she doesn't remember, but she'd be like this. So <laughs> that was a hard, th- you know, so I feel like the show really... It was a sort of an exercise in trying to find what the show is. And, and I feel like we did. It became a body-switching, yeah. sci-fi, cool thing, which I think, we loved.
0: And when we made Epitaph 1, which is the the 13th episode that never aired, um, we were hoping that season two could be just that in that world. The network was like, no, nah, yeah. not so
1: much, kids. And then we wanted it to be the dollhouse and the the epitaph world Mm -hmm. and then uh, no 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 No. yeah
0: you get epitaph one and maybe epitaph two but we were lucky to make epitaph two as well
1: uh what kind of lessons did you guys learn
4: having gone through this experience at a network like this (laughs)
3: How do we specifically anything that you
4: know? We can put it this way; it may be a little softer, but uh, anything that you've taken to Spartacus, which you
1: know is at stars and it's sort of the big first hit there, and I imagine Mm -hmm. yes, network is very different from cable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is one lesson for sure. Network, you can't go too far outside the box, and there are
0: certain rules that they've followed that have been, you know, successful over and again, and they're afraid to stray from that. And if they're you know, putting forth the money and the time and the energy in your pro it 's a product that they 're yeah. giving to the world to and, the masses yeah and um,
1: they 're afraid to take risks much at at a network there 's a feeling of you know ah, you know I, if this is going to be big i want I want to have my name, I want who have said I believe in this so But if it flops, I don't want to be blamed. So there's a lot of hedging their bets. And and so you end up with a watered-down version of... uh, If the concept is... If it's high concept, you end up with something watered-down.
0: Or another procedural with a new twist. (laughs) Right. Like... A detective who is also a, a ghost or yeah. a ghost doctor
1: yeah that's your next or, show right? or a ghost that's also a vampire yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and now, not true blood
0: uh there
4: you are um let's uh let's open it up to questions from you guys uh so i'm just wondering as a, when you're sending out resumes and writing packets, what uh, what do you leave on the resume and what do you leave off of? Like, I know Tammy's a performer and I'm a stand-up. It's like, how do you get that into where when someone looks at it, they're like, this is a person that we want to talk to, even though they've had a shitty day job for you know a bunch of years.
3: I I, I just turned to Tammy for that um, answer. <laughs>
4: we're all turning to Tammy. I
3: honestly I don't I I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I mean, like, you know, it's just with, with the agent is I honestly don't know what my resume looks like now. Uh, that's such a shitty answer. I really apologize. Uh, Oh, but I think sorry, sorry, we, can actually, totally, we,
4: can, we can rephrase the question okay. a little bit because I think it is about you know sending out that piece that represents you sure. also. You know there was yeah, a time. You asked the
0: question wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, <laughs>
4: it was
2: <laughs>
4: it was a brilliant seed of a question. Um, but you know there was a time when we were all writing yes, spec scripts. Yes. Uh, and now we're all writing sample uh, pilots. So you know I'm curious. First of all, what is that? What was that first thing like you mentioned a sex in the city or the office? I I'd, I'd like to know specifics about what you guys did for those, but also, you know, what what do you have sent out for you now if anything when you're looking for a new job?
3: Now that I've completely flubbed it, let me let me try to answer we'll again. will all that out. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> but not from their minds.
3: <laughs> What's well, a dollhouse, everyone? I tweeted about. Um it's it's a little bit like you have to uh, you wanna you want them to remember you. So it's you know, like having her know that she saw that play. So it's uh less of your stand-up or uh the thing that, that stand-up gig that you're most proud of, of like I would say that and here's my script on this, and here's a funny thing about me. Like I have a friend Ed Herbstman who's brilliant, and he also worked as a New York City cop for a year or two, and when he submitted to Colbert He, you know, he included the fact that he worked at Second City, but also that he was a cop. And it's just, it's just, you just have a few sentences in there and you just kind of want to, so like the fact that I have a degree in math, um, it's no accident that that's one of the first things that you guys heard about me. Because it's it's a little different and it's a little interesting. So it is that, it's also when you go into, when you do get an interview, you want to have, pretend that you're an interesting person and have those things planned. It's really hard when you're not one.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can you hang out with an interesting person and steal their stories. Yeah. I find that works yeah. great. But like
3: being in a band for 15 years or like being in a girl band from 12 to 15, like yeah. somebody's going to remember that. So right. I, actually,
0: my, my very, very first job was writing a feature for Revolution Studios, which now no longer exists, and how that happened was... I got the my alumni magazine from Occidental College and Todd Garner was on the cover and I thought I'll write him a letter and you know maybe that'll turn into something and I on in that letter I gave a little bit of my background about the group and everything and a big part of my group experience was that I also thought I was black for a very long time, and during my high school years, and so I I mentioned that I, you know, in in the letter, I was like, I'm a funny girl who's Asian, but I, you know, have. Anyways, and so it actually got me a meeting with him, and I went into this meeting and I pitched him my ideas, and one of my ideas was about these two Asian American detectives who go undercover in south central la to infiltrate again they go undercover as korean like fresh off the boat korean store clerks <laughs> and he was like i love it and i mean that never really happens <laughs> at all i was very lucky but yeah as far as putting yourself out there i i did in that letter i don't remember what i said in the other, other, other than i'm a weird person and um but it, it worked I don't know. Yeah. What I make- just
1: bring my wife to
0: meetings. <laughs> I go, go. Break dance.
4: She's a minority. She thinks she's another minority. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do
3: some of those head spins. <laughs> yeah. Here but it also points to, it's really important to have a life or, um, mm-hmm. totally. and because you want to be bringing that life experience or, um, like I said, like getting to do that, this American life thing was, I mean, I love that show, but, it was also like that, that – I do know that that's something else that's like, you know, like that CD will be thrown in as a packet. Or also in my packet is just personal essays that I've written, not for anything, but just for me. And so uh, – but that's also part of my packet because um, showrunners don't I, – I think of specs as SATs, and the rest of it is the rest of your application that shows who you are. So the SATs show that you can do, like, this is the form. I can get the tone of your show. Here's other stuff. Here's my play or here's my personal essay or here's the, the thing that I wrote that's, that's me. Yeah, that sets you apart. That's great. Um, incidentally,
4: you three all wrote uh, specs of existing shows. Did you ever write, have to write a spec or did you just jump
1: onto the feature that uh, Marissa was writing? Well, we to... uh, That was basically how we got hired as we wrote a action comedy. Okay. Um, and then because it was an action comedy every meeting we took for two years was we have this cool thing about a flying dog or you know they you know and we were interested in yeah (laughs) we were interested in doing lots of different stuff i think that that is i think it's important to have to write anything you feel like writing because someone will read it or you never know where it's going to come from or what's going to happen so i think that it's important to just write a ton of shit
3: yeah i mean they're going to they're going to try and put you in a box later, so there's no reason that you should do that to exactly. yourself.
1: Exactly.
4: Uh, Tammy, what was your uh, office spec about?
3: Um, there was a robbery. There was a robbery in the office All right. and the, the repercussions of that. I mean, it's old. Like Roy sure. makes an appearance in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Eliza, what was yours about?
2: Mine was <laughs> Michael trying to figure out who the cool candidate for president was <laughs> and who and and it was a it was a political party.
0: Uh-huh.
4: Political party. Was uh, a sec- RuPaul sex dip. in the City, Marissa?
2: Oh, it was, um,
0: you know, because they're all it's, they're all a bunch of sluts. So <laughs> it was being about nostalgic for when they were younger, but but in in the in their current younger sluts, younger sluts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, you know, about just 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 the unit you know, the making out and how that's that's the best part of me, Butterflies and crap like that.
4: Mm. You're a romantic.
0: Yeah. Um, other questions? Um,
4: going me. back to specs, um, I think about like four years back when How I Met Your Mother actually was in its third season, I wrote a spec that um, the A, B, and C storylines ended up using all of those throughout the series at some point. Um, would you still submit that? Just like any of you, would you still like keep that in your repertoire or would you just rewrite the whole thing
1: Years on the line.
3: I would I would let it go. I I would take that as uh, a compliment and it's a sign that you're in the right business. Of like, the it's a bummer, but it's also like you know what? That you're you're you've, you're right. They used it. <laughs> like they, that that means you're in the right train of thought. But the other part of a spec and why it's not. Even though I just confess that mine has Roy in it. It's not good to have a really old one because you're also saying. I wasn't willing to let go of this. And when you're hired for a show, they are going to need you to write, you know, two episodes in a month. Or, you know, you, you want to keep up the illusion that you're a fast and prolific writer. And so holding on to a spec that you know is, is stale, it's, 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 it's giving off an, an image that, you, that you're not going to be a prolific writer.
4: Is there, is there still value in doing these uh, specs of existing
1: shows? I mean, we keep hearing, do originals, do originals, do originals, but... I wonder if it's different in comedy. Yeah. I would think in comedy it would, it would be valuable because you need to hear that they can get the jokes and get the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that in drama it's not they as much a thing. No. They want to read original. They want to, yeah.
0: No.
2: Interesting. My question is about when you're in the writer's room and you're working with a team of writers, especially if you have an overall arc that you're breaking out, what happens when either the room is divided or there's strongly opposing opinions on who the killer is or what happens towards <laughs> the end? And with that, what happens being a writing team when you're just doing one script if there's heavily opposing opinions on what should happen with a particular character or overall?
1: Well, that's what the showrunner's for. You know, the showrunner's there to. Be the ref at the end of the. You know, he, when we started working on Dollhouse, Joss said the first thing he said is "best idea wins," and you know he was the decider of the best <laughs> idea, and a lot of the times they were his. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the best rooms are the ones that run that way, and the best showrunners are the ones with good taste, and and so. You don't really, I don't think, run into, unless you have someone who's just going to stick to their guns no matter what, you don't run into that too much where there's a gridlock because you have someone there who says, that we're going with that, and everybody moves on. And you have to learn to move on pretty quickly because mm. if you, you love an idea and you know it's
3: great. You never yeah. want to be the cause of the gridlock. Right. Mm. You don't. Never. It's just... It's, you're not helping anybody. Like, the showrunner, yeah, he's absolutely the ref. You don't want to be the person who's not letting go of an idea. If it's such an amazing idea, hold on to it, use it for your show or the next show you're hired on. But but let it go. And don't also, it's not great to be the guy who, when the showrunner leaves the room, is like, okay, but see, what I'm thinking is, and it's like, my idea was really good. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, we're all on this train. We all have to keep the train running the direction it's going. So it's, I'm, I don't know if anybody's from an improv background, but it's the yes and. Yes, it's not exactly. how can everybody use my idea. It's how can I take your idea and make it even better. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and, if, and the thing of if you're in a writing partnership and you're in a gridlock, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, let me. Uh, I just bring up the word divorce
0: and then, <laughs> and then we go with my idea.
1: I'll just say the word she withholds. <laughs> no. Um, we don't run into the gridlock. We have pretty much the same taste. And, uh,
0: and if yeah, if we do, there's a lot of, like, <sighs> okay. Yeah. I, I, don't
1: understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, okay. <laughs> Just write it how you want it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think if you keep coming across that, it might not be a great partnership, would be yeah. my, All like, right. it, for me, like, when I've written with someone else, it's because it's so much easier. Right. And if it's not easier to write with someone else, then I wouldn't. Um, I guess just to
4: drill down again Into the, the specs thing a little bit Just quickly Tammy what did you uh, write for the 30 Rock And for you guys Did you need something extra for the Spartacus
3: job Or was it just your, your dollhouse um, thing mm-hmm. And then the other, the bigger question is For all four of you I um, mean you know, obviously you're on the younger side As far as staffing As far as level
4: But have you guys all developed original stuff Sold pilots Not necessarily Concentrating on staffing that was right. Short films maybe <laughs>
2: Oh, my God! So I.: awesome. um,
4: Let's talk about original stuff first. Uh, have you all developed original stuff, whether it is television or plays or other things? Uh, and, and how has that process been for you?
3: I wouldn't say. I've, oh, I'm so no, sorry. I wouldn't say I've developed because I think that implies somebody paying me to do it. Like, uh, right. but I've I've written an original uh, pilot that that was what was I was using as a spec before I wrote The Office. Um, the Office spec has gotten me a ton of work, luckily, which has fed my laziness and replacing it. Um,
4: <laughs> what was that original pilot? Out of curiosity,
3: it was it was called uh, Izzy Price sells out, and it was based on Liz Fair when she sold out and, uh, and yeah. nobody nice. bought it. Do you remember that? When yeah. she just sold out, yeah. and, like, the New yeah, York absolutely. Times eviscerated her, and it was yeah. like nobody bought it, and it was heartbreaking, but also I thought, yeah, yeah so... Uh, is, that,
1: is that technically selling out if it doesn't sell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: Questions like that were explored. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, but, but, yeah... And and then in the packet itself, like I, I worked on board to Death and the guy who ran that show, Jonathan Ames, is a novelist who doesn't watch much television at all. So The Office to him, he read it and he's like, I don't know what this is. Um, so so he also ended up reading personal essays f- for the, that packet. So all that stuff can go into it.
2: Uh,
3: yeah. Original material that you've worked on?
2: Uh, I have a... Teen comedy that I developed with Reveille for Teen Nick um, that I'm really hoping gets made. <laughs> what uh, state
4: is it in right now? The final I draft have, is turned in? It
2: is final draft turned in.
4: They just have to decide about Can it. Can you tell us uh, the concept of it?
2: It's called um, Three to Five, and it's about a group of kids who work at a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> or like an off-brand. It's not actually a Walmart. It's called Fogarty's, but it's a, it's a comedy.
4: Uh, and were you approached to do this? Did you bring it to them as a pitch? How did how did it start out?
2: I um, had a really fun, great first general meeting with Revely. Um, uh, the woman who I met there, her name is Erica Bello, she and I just like... I mean, Revely does The Office, and mm. I'm obsessed with The Office. I was like... And I was especially obsessed with the office like a couple years ago. And so I, my first meeting with her, I just, and she covers the office. So I was just like, <laughs> z- like sort of geeking out all over her. Um, gross. <laughs> and um, we just had a really good time. And then I met with, you know, um, I, all sort of like the team there. And so they, we just developed a relationship and they said, we want to do something with you. And, um, and then I was like, well, here are like a couple of ideas I have. And they were like, we like that one. So then we pitched it together mm-hmm. um, to Teen Nick and MTV and ABC Family. And Teen Nick bought it. Nice.
4: And did you, when you brought them ideas, when you came in and said, mm-hmm. here are a couple of ideas, were they all uh, in that arena or were they adult shows? Were they kids shows? Were well,
2: they... They, they came to me and they were like, we know that. These networks are buying comedies right now. Do you want to write a teen comedy? And I was like, Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and I talk like that in meetings. So I, um, so, uh, so I just like was thinking about. Um, okay. And I think of myself as, like, a really edgy... Like, I think... Like, when I close my eyes, I think, like, I'm so edgy. That's what I'm thinking sort of right now and all the time. Um, but, so I was like, I don't know if, like, they can take my brand of humor. My AIDS homelessness. Exactly. I was like, honestly, like, I don't know. I'm so raw, you know? And, like... Um, I'm fucking cosette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what exactly. Yeah, so... Um, Anyways, so then, then, um, yeah. But uh, it turned out it wasn't that edgy or raw. I mean, it, I whatever. I think it's edgy and raw. I think it would be cool. I think it would be a great show. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it turns out I can write for, like, 14-year-old girls. <laughs>
4: uh, Marissa and Jed, your own material, uh, you know, we heard a little bit about features you've done alone and together. But uh, have you been approached to do TV? Have you developed TV?
0: We haven't developed yet, but... Yes, we've been in talks about making mm-hmm. things. Um, we wrote a pilot that we're going around about with. About to go okay. out with, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Which we like. Which
0: we like. Um, can, we, can we say more about it really? eh,
1: it's, it's hard to explain, and not—it's <laughs> not, not very good. They're
0: never going to like it. No one will ever want it. We, d- we, we, salesman, we did write <laughs> it.
1: We did want to write it before pitching it because we feel we. Th- We've had some pitches, like movie pitches. We think pitching's so weird because you're going in and saying, "I'm going to r- write something, and it's going to be great." <laughs> yeah, you know, believe it, me, these things are going to happen. But when you read it, you're going to love it. It's going to be, you know, we feel very much that if they read it and they like it, then you've skipped a huge. And step. they also know
0: what kind of yeah. writers you are and how you tonally address certain issues or situations. Right. And and we specifically want wanted the tone to come across because it, it deals with some serious stuff and uh so we wanted them to know that we're going to approach these things with some humor and that it's going to be a fun ride and yeah and so with that at first we we sent out the pilot to production companies and producers and met with a bunch and then we narrowed the process has been really cool because we narrowed it down to people that we felt responded to the material in the way that we Mm -hmm. originally intended them to respond to it and um yeah, so it's been a fun little gallivanting. All We've time. talked
4: about how weird uh, pitching is for writers because it is—it's <laughs> the opposite it's so of terrible. what we do. I hate it's it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys all have backgrounds as performers. Right? Has this
2: helped you? <laughs> have That's you what it is. It does um, help.
0: You do feel like you're tap dancing.
2: You're yeah. literally like. And yet you're still all <laughs> miserable about it. I'm awesome. I think and, it makes it worse for me that I was a performer. Really? Yeah. yeah, because Why? I'm like really want to please you so i'm gonna like do a fucking dance for you and like say all the shit that's gonna be in it that isn't in my like i don't want it to be in it but i know you're smiling so i'll keep making you smile okay (laughs) and i i feel like i mean i i actually had a really great experience doing this teen nick thing but and i i think with comedy it actually i mean i don't know i've only done that one thing but it was nice having sort of people to go back and forth with but like when I've, I also wrote another pilot and I just wrote it, and it probably won't get made because it's sort of like Homeland, but homeless isn't it? is really edgy. edgy? But it's so <laughs> edgy, you guys. It's like
1: Homeland, it's called Homeless.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the- actually called Homegrown. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, man. It'll never get made.
1: <laughs> the other thing that's terrible about pitching, I've, in our experience, is that you can't, they will not react. I mean, we, oh. did, we pitch this comedy. The film and I mean I, they were looking at us like this.
0: Oh, and then they they they, they at, write
1: it, at yeah. one
0: point they'll look down at their hmm. notebook and yeah. write something, then look back up
1: just blank. And, or and we'll love. like pitch a joke, we'll say, and then he got and he falls right on his ass, and they're like, mm, okay. <laughs> you know, and at the end they say, we love that.
0: <laughs> right. This is you great. Know, so how about a flying dog move?
4: <laughs> uh, other questions. How did you all make a living before you could do so through writing?
0: Well, I was an an assistant for a very long time. Uh, I started off as a PA. And that's the thing. It's like if you want to write, always write. But also try and seek opportunities in environments where your writing will actually lead to something. And so if it means getting coffee for an executive for a year or whatever, take that job because you're, you're going to be put putting yourself in an environment where you have access to all these people that could read your stuff and will eventually help you. I mean, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I had no idea what a corporate PA meant. I just, I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to be at Stephen Boschko Productions. They make shows that I've watched, you know, forever, and... Um, Doogie Hauser, I mean like
2: <laughs> The trick to that though Is also to be really nice When you do it Yes Like don't yes. to be Don't be like right. Upset that you're Getting coffee Because People want to help People that That they like Are sweet to <laughs> yeah. them yeah. And like people who are eager And happy to be there And if you're like If you hate Your life Every day People can see it So mm-hmm. don't it's, do that <laughs> It's also
3: You feel like an asshole Having someone else Bring you food and stuff And to uh-huh. To see someone else clearly think you're an asshole too. It's just like you, just, you don't want that mirror. So
2: true. <laughs> so true. But also, if you're not, if you aren't, if you don't have one of those jobs, because those jobs are really hard to get too. Yeah, they're really um, it's crazily hard to get. Yeah. Um, I, like I think it's valuable to try to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time so that you can be writing Mm -hmm. as you know like i was a um i was a nanny in new york and i coached a 10 year old improv team um for money (laughs) they the name they came up with was uh uh fuck yeah david hasselhoff and his abs (laughs) <laughs> that was the name that ten-year-olds. It was good. It was really good. Um, but so that just afforded me like time when he was at school. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm writing now.
3: Um. I I cobbled together uh, math teacher jobs. Like I was a sub, a substitute math teacher. I taught at math camps. I just, I I did uh, whatever, and then I would uh, take classes and try to intern uh, for. So I wouldn't have to pay f- as much for the classes. I lived pretty simply. I lived with a bunch of roommates, and uh, and then I yeah I because it is super hard to get those PA jobs or mm-hmm. those writers assistant jobs and people who have them th- that's awesome if you can get them but I also don't think you need to no. have that no. yeah. mm-hmm. so I know people who get caught up in that
2: well and you should do stuff just like I worked um, with a bunch of my friends on a a web sitcom and um, that I was like also in because I was really vain (laughs) Um, so but you know I just think it's important to like to make stuff and people get get jobs because somebody saw their weird internet video because of their twitter
1: feed people have gotten yeah, deep yeah. twitter a holly- shows so tweet
2: tweet is the
3: main thing yeah oh you should just tweeting. keep tweeting <laughs> just tweet
1: every second yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it weird make it dirty do just yeah, get just attention tweet,
3: <laughs> tweet. Yeah. Just but that. honestly hollywood is a content machine it always needs content so keep generating content and while it's great to have specs People aren't going to go see a spec be read or a spec performed. So have those, but also you know, mm-hmm. create original stuff so that there will be a performance to go see or a web thing that they can click
1: right. to. They also want to see something that's... They like seeing something done because a lot of the time there's not a, a lot of imagination there. So if they see something, they say, that's already good. That person already made something good. They're not betting on you. They, they know you can do something. So if you create stuff... You know, that's the best resume you can have.
3: And if you're doing stand-up, like, that's great. And if in your stand-up as you're writing something for stand-up and it's not working for stand-up and you're like, wait a second, this is more of a sketch, then do that as a sketch, too. You know what I mean? Like, don't uh, don't let your good bits go to the wayside because it's not going directly the path that you think that you you need to go down.
4: Great. Uh, very quickly, uh, we'll start with Jed and come back around. What are you guys watching on television? What are your uh, current rooms talking about, if anything? Uh,
0: Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey.
1: Um, Yeah, we at Spartacus. There's there was a lot of Downton Abbey love. The second season, mm -hmm. (laughs) just still still going. We'll see how it pans out, but. uh, you know, I think that, I don't know, I feel like I'm going to say stuff that everybody's watching, you know. we There
4: are only so Game, many great shows.
1: Yeah, we, you know, <laughs> Breaking, Game, Bad, Breaking Bad, Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. Um, I do, I am trying, or we are trying, because we live together and are married, to eliminate, you know, there's so many shows now. One thing that's great, there was a sort of a TV revolution a couple of years ago, and but now there's a lot of cool shows, and we're trying to get just to the really cool ones. So yeah. we're waiting for other people to watch them and tell us we have to watch them. Yeah, that's what yeah. we
2: do with you guys. Uh, yeah. We wait we ta- for you to watch it, and then you give us down to Nabby. We are um, family.
1: She's engaged to my brother. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: are,
4: are there any left? Tammy could get in on it.
3: Uh, any any Weedons? All left? the all the ones all the that you guys There's mentioned. There's a couple
4: more Weedons. Oh
3: oh, oh yeah. Any Weeds? Oh. <laughs> I think I've in any TV Welcome shows. Welcome to the left. family. <laughs> uh, Tammy, what are you watching on television? Yeah, the, all those ones that are mentioned. Any comedy? Yeah, I do. I, I watch. Uh, but that's not as much of a discussion in the room. But I I watch uh, a lot of comedy. I
0: like Up all night. Oh, I do too. Yes. Yeah. I watch. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
3: it's a sweet show I think my voice went automatically like it's really sweet to see Will Arnett be really nice yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love New
2: Girl oh New Um, Girl yes I love New Girl and I love The Office and um, up on Modern Family mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad and um, Real World Road Rules Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite show. Literally my favorite show. And when my parents, every time I get a new job, my pa- which has been looked twice, my parents are like, is it a reality show? They keep thinking I'm going to write for a reality show and I wouldn't accept I would write for that show.
1: I also watch Shark Tank. Uh, yeah. Does anybody else watch Shark Tank? <laughs> I don't know why I'm addicted (laughs) when they're like I'll give you a hundred (laughs) grand that's the whole show right there that's all they do
3: I have to say the biggest room discussions are about The Wire and Breaking Bad and still Sopranos like in Downton Abbey like for A Game of Thrones was huge like Mm -hmm. for some reason those big drama shows are what comedy rooms talk about Sounds good. Uh, well, thank you guys for being here. This thank is so quiet in here.
4: Thanks to Eliza Clark, Tammy Sager, Marissa Tancheron, and Jed Whedon. Thanks to everyone here at Nerdist Industries of Meltdown Comics and to 826LA.
0: Now leaving Nerdist.com.